welcome all to HTO Football. I hope you've had the best of festive seasons. I think that we're, we're squeezing, we'll be brutally honest, we're squeezing this one in before the new year, but you're probably listening to us in the strange times that are 2022. So I hope your new year has started phenomenally well. Um, we're joined for, we're going to have a cracker tonight, uh, ladies and gents. I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Andrew, um, but we're also joined by two guests. Um, in for his second cap this evening is Mr. Michael Hamlin, better known as 80s and 90s football online for all your nostalgia. And making the debut tonight on HGO Football is Mike Pieri, um, you know, football connoisseur, I, I believe. But we'll get on to that and they can give a little intro in a second. Um, but tonight we're discussing football's most iconic goals ever. We're not just talking the best. We're not just talking the greatest, the most important, the most meaningful. We're talking all of those things. We are talking the most iconic goals ever. Andrew, you're excited, right? Yeah, yeah, tremendously excited. Um, nice to have a full crowd in attendance this evening before the reduced capacity comes in. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, it's all... not it's not coming in. Crowds are staying. Crowds are staying. Yeah, always um, looking forward to the memory lane chat. So yeah, I'm looking forward to get going. Before before we throw over to debutants, because I think that would be unfair. You know, it was also going to be feeling nervous a bit. You know, these the palms will be sweaty. Uh, I won't do any Eminem lyrics, but um, Mike, Michael, we'll throw it to you first of all. I know you're eagerly be good, be watching your team shortly, but um, Welcome back to HCO. How are you? You well? I, I hear you're yeah. not right now, but I hope you're well. No, I'm currently in um, isolation for a testing positive for COVID, but I feel absolutely fine and uh, raring to go for tonight. Good stuff. Good stuff. And what we've done, ladies and gents, Andrew and I have prepared what we believe are the 10 most iconic goals. But pitting against that and or batting with us occasionally is Mr. Mike Pieri with producing his own list of top 10 iconic goals. Mike, first of all, welcome to HGO. Secondly, are you well? Third, how much are you looking forward to this conversation? Gents, thanks very much. Um, great to be part of this. Uh, really looking forward to it. It's going to be a, a great evening. Uh, lots to talk about, lots to digest, lots to maybe argue about as well. But um, yeah, really looking forward to it. And I'm well, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> not at all, not at all. I, I guess, look, before, ladies and gents, we've, we have shared our top 10 lists between Mike and Andrew and ours. Um, there are three goals which make both 10 lists. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about them first. But before I do, um, Mike, it'd be great to hear from you about when you uh, set the task and you sat down over your Christmas break, hopefully a glass for something nice in your hand, nice and full from lots of calories of other bits, to think about the top 10 iconic goals of all time. In your mind, what did iconic goals mean to you? It's a great question. And um, I actually threw it out to a couple of WhatsApp groups that I'm, that I'm part of, you know, football WhatsApp groups of different friends. And it, it's, it's quite, it can be very personal, what it means, you know, the team you support, the area you, you've, um, you've, you've lived in, um, memories, uh, moments. Um, and, I, and I try to involve all of that, um, try to include some football history in there as well. Um, but in the end, um, it, it is quite a personal list, but also try to make one or two obscure entries as well, so we can have a little chat about that as well. So, yeah, it's um, a great, great time to do it. Sat down, I could have had 20, 30, 40 of them, but, um, you know, whittling it down to 10 was, was, was difficult, but, you know, I think, I think there's a list there where we can have a good chat about. Absolutely. You're right, quite right in saying that. I mean, we could, this could be a pod that lasts till next New Year's. Um, you know, you're talking about iconic football goals. Um, Andrew, as I said a, a short while ago, we have got two or three goals which cross over in the list. 
Um, which one do you want to kick off talking about first? And, and we can obviously get the thoughts of the gents. Uh, I guess, well, no surprise that Mike went for one of our top picks, really. If we were to order these, actually, for the listeners, we haven't put them in any particular order. But if we were to order them, um, I think this would probably be my number one. Um, and it's Van Basten, uh, 1988 Euros. Um, what an unbelievable goal from an unbelievable player. I mean, an unbelievable tournament that he had, you know, the, 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 master, the masterpiece against England earlier on in the tournament um, and then goes into the final. And I think the score's at 1-0 at that point. And I, I think we just know from all the retweets on Twitter that we see in the, the, the YouTube videos when that it's even, even the crosses become iconic. <laughs> um, so yeah, just uh, an outstanding, outstanding goal from an outstanding magician. Michael Hamlin, I mean, 80s, 90s football, this has got to feature heavily on everything that you do. That Van Basten goal, yes, it's off. It's a final as well. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. Iconic goals don't necessarily always happen in finals, but it bloody helps, doesn't it? Yeah, this is definitely one of the most iconic goals. It's number one in my list as well. Um, it's it's a, just a fantastic goal. And I know we'll talk about the actual game in a minute, maybe, but the, the, the setting, you can't do it much better than a Euro final or World Cup final. And, and he, he does it in a Euro final, and it is just a spectacular, fantastic goal. Yeah, agreed. And, and Andrew, I think you're right, Tony. Obviously, had a fantastic tournament, but it's um, reading up before before tonight's pod. Didn't actually go into the the tournament off the back of the greatest year. Struggled with injuries. And I think it started to like only eleven games, and actually wasn't necessarily the t- the tournament necessarily first choice for for the Dutch side. Uh, you know, it was um, in and out of the side, but then grew, and then suddenly, like you said, by the time we got to the latter stages, first name on the team sheet, and now folklore you know it's folklore it's on every compilation you ever see uh what a what a brilliant goal in a brilliant moment to do it against Soviet Union which itself would fall in a couple of years time you know we're talking about a moment where football and history sort of cross over a little bit and caption time is an iconic goal I guess therefore Mike Perry was a shoe into your list as well then absolutely I think it's the audacity to attempt such a shot yeah. from, from from such a position let alone just to score against, um, you know, he's a top goalkeeper as well, Redak Desaive at the time. And as you already said, in an international final, I mean, wow, I mean, the technique. And, but it's also iconic for other reasons too. And you, you alluded to them as well, you know, the fact that it's in a final, that great team, you had the Koemans, Reichard, Hulit, Muren. Um, but also the fact that, um, you know, Rinus Mikkels finally managed to uh, get a trophy for, the, for a Dutch side. And those beautiful shirts, Oh yes, and 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 Mikkel's celebration as well is fantastic. It almost reminds me of Guardiola when Messi scored at uh, Wembley, when it was just sort of like can't believe what's happening. You know? The ridiculousness of it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think the final the final thing is is huge here, isn't it? I mean, that could be scored in a preseason friendly, and people think nothing of it. You know, it's and we'll talk about a goal a little bit later on in another final in Glasgow a few years later by a certain Frenchman, um, which is very similar in a way. You know, another volley. Um, we'll go on that in a, in a little while, but yeah, unbelievable kit, unbelievable volley, great commentary as well. I can't, I don't know who was on that comms that day and um, with the UK commentary. I'm not sure if John Michael Watson, can remember probably, that one. Pro- probably John John Watson, I think. Was it? I think Brian Moore was actually. Brian Moore? I'm, sure I've heard it, I'm sure I've heard it on Twitter or YouTube with Brian Moore. Mm. Mm. Yeah, quite, might well have been Brian Moore. 
obviously with his uh, almost 89 a year later, which doesn't make our list, but nonetheless. And how, um, and how many more of those goals, Tom, would he have scored if he didn't suffer so, you know, so many bad injuries as well? You well, know, that's it. And, uh, you know, even injuries in that year, as I said, and, you know, ultimately uh, an incredibly gifted player, which I think this moment for such a gifted player, and there was a long time, time sort of for 10, 15, 20 years, where <clears throat> the Dutch were looked at probably in, in not quite doing it on the international stage, despite their stars or potentially not, getting to the latter stages of tournaments that they should do. You know, where is you like your Germany's or Italy's are always there or thereabouts for the level of talent. And Van Basten, this was his moment. And, you know, here we are, what, however many years, 33, 34 years later, talking about it. So yeah, it goes to show what a special, special goal it was. Um, let's let's get the other two crossovers out of the way before we get into the nitty gritty of those goals that separate us. Which one are we were looking at next? Uh, should we talk about George Best's goal, Mike? Well, yeah, let's what, go for it. Yeah. Go, what, what, what were your thoughts about around that goal? Because there's so many different elements to that. I think you mentioned uh, at the beginning in your criteria a lot of personal elements to to, to this list. Um, why why the, why the best against Benfica for you in '68? Um, I think it's probably the most important goal in Manchester United's history. Um, as we know, it's European Cup final, extra time, um, and. Um, it just sort of defined an era and defined George Best and also defined that team. So if we're talking about iconic, it, it, it ticks a lot of boxes. Um, it, you know, it's iconic because of what it stood for. Matt Busby and Jimmy Murphy had rebuilt United after the tragedy of Munich, you know, a decade previously. Almost 10 years to the month away, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it's well, February. Yeah. So um, yeah. and, um, United became the first English team to be crowned European champions. But it was also... The way the goal happened was very George Best. I mean, Alex Stepney, long kick. Um, I think it was a header. And then, you know, he you know, it was a bouncing ball and he, he just did it better than he was just there, um, you know, and, and anticipated it. Nutmegs a defender, rounds a goalkeeper and puts it away in those again. So an iconic kit as well for, 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 for United fans. So um, in all, it, for me, it just, it, just, it just hits a lot of the criteria of what iconic means. I got lost down a rabbit hole earlier, I've got to say, guys. Um on YouTube and I started looking for this goal and I came across all different versions of it um, and uh, little 12 second clips where you can barely see what's happening and then also this other like compilation that someone's put together in colour and it's just um, that that says a lot as well doesn't it really in terms of the whole the, the, the how iconic the goal is really Michael thoughts on the, the George Best round the goalie slots it home it's, it's a lovely goal and it's, it's not one that I would put in my list actually and I looked at it on YouTube earlier on and did some research and I think Benfica had enough of best because he destroyed him in 66 as well. Um, in the Was it the quarterfinal when they win 8-3 on aggregate? And he scores two two goals, I think, in, in Lisbon. And one goal is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, this ben, this Benfica side contained Eusebios. They, they were no mugs. They were a really, really good side. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I think the, the context of that second goal is just the beginning of extra time. And it completely deflates Benfica, and then you not run out four one winners. Um, but yeah, it's it is a lovely goal. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. It was also, and you've both alluded to there, the first English team to win the European Cup. You know, coming off the back of, of Celtic doing it, um, becoming the first British team, and there's only one team that can be first to do something. You know, no matter how many times you go on and then win it previously, you're the first team to win the European Cup from your country. That's an amazing thing. Um, and so again, iconic that's in the record books because of that. And, and Michael, you just said it as well, it was a tight game until that goal, he'd gone into extra time. 
And, you know, you can look at winning goals and that's essentially a goal that got them over the line and they run out easy winners. But essentially that's the goal that clinched it early in extra time um, against another European superpower and rounding out 10 years um, from the horrible um, air disaster Munich. I think it's the... It's the birth of New United. It's the birth of English on the sort of European yeah. stage as winning the European Cup. It's a massive goal. And it's an iconic goal. There's certain moments in time, aren't there, where when a young player comes through as well, that's that rock star moment. You know, George Best arriving as a superstar. Pele, Pele had similar moments coming through as a young as a young kid, didn't he? Who we'll talk about later on as well. So I think it's what's interesting as you go through this discussion is that the different the, the, all the different elements to the criteria, you know. Um, but there's one more goal, Tom, right? One more goal that we had a crossover with. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about this goal and then we'll talk about one of our other selections, which doesn't make Mike's list because they are they have to be spoken about together for the one very simple reason. Well, well, well the ha- other one gets erased from our memory as England fans. <laughs> yeah, but, but the simple reason that they happened in the same game. Um, and so therefore we are obviously talking about, well, let's talk about the one that we both agree on. Uh, Maradona's second goal in the 1986 quarterfinal um, in Mexico versus England. Um, a brilliant goal, a magical goal by all standards. Um, there's that Barry Davis commentary, isn't it? Like, And you can always hear the bitterness in, in his voice, given what's happened earlier in the game. But you can say, oh, you, and you have to say, that's magnificent. And, you know, we're almost like, whatever's happened in the last, you know, last 20 minutes, whatever that, you have to say, that's magnificent. And it is magnificent. I think leaving four players... Uh, Beardsley, Reed, Butcher, someone else on, on their arse, essentially. Um, slipping around four or five English players, slotting at home. And for everything that's going on in the rest of the world, obviously you've got the Falklands backdrop again, the context. You've got that last half an hour, literally, where that the hand of God has happened, and we'll talk about it in a second. You know, you, you're probably talking about one of the, at that moment, one of the most despised people in England, against England. Um, but it doesn't matter almost because... There he is solidifying himself as the very best footballer on the planet. Um, a goal that will stand the test of time as one of the best, as well as the most iconic goals. And I think look, when we look through our 10 at the end, each of us, how many of the goals also get into the top 10 best goals list ever? Probably Van Basten's, but certainly this one as well. And that, that stands it for me really high up there because you're talking about a really iconic goal, but also just an unbelievable goal. Um, Mike, therefore, I guess it's another short shoeing in your list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, just incredible. I mean, as I, as I mentioned about the Van Basten, got that technique. Um, this this was just incredible skill, and he ran, you know, more than half a length of the pitch, evaded several attempts at tackles. But it's the way he controls the ball, and it's almost—I'm pretty sure it's all all left foot. And then having read stories later, you know, and and, and listened to some of the stories, that pitch was awful as well. What what wasn't a carpet? It was, it was it, you know it was coming away because in, as remember um, Mexico um, was late to have been awarded the World Cup and the pitches weren't great. You know the, the pitch was actually moving from some of the stories that, that I've heard. And for him to be able to control the ball, to go past players, to come up against you know a, a top goalkeeper and to round him and slot it away. It's in the context of what's going on, what happened you know what 10, 15 minutes previously. Again, it's audacious, it's brilliant, it's incredible. And you know, if we're talking iconic in terms of framing and defining a tournament, framing a nation's football history, but also a player's legacy, this was all of that and more. Yeah, I mean, this, this is on the back of the 82 World Cup, right? We get red carded against Brazil. 
um, has a tough time against Italy with the old Gentile story there. Um, and, you know, Diego goes into that tournament in 86, you know, with a point to prove, you could say, you know, and, and I think that goal, that goal has three phases for me. Middle phase, I don't like it particularly very much if you're looking at it from an analytical standpoint. The first few moments, first few movements that Maradona, that when he first gets the ball, absolute genius. The way he gets away from those two midfield players is just remarkable. Um, the next phase, mm, I think you could probably pick that apart. I think Peter Reid um, <laughs> has had things to say about that. And then and the defending, I mean, Omri scored a goal at Highbury against Liverpool in his hat-trick that was similar to this in a way. The defending, uh, I'm not so sure. But the last bit is genius. To have the composure in that last movement to dummy the goalie and slot it home after a 65-yard run um, is just absolutely magical. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean... I'm I'm picking it apart because I think there is there are phases to that goal. Um, but it shows you how how much that goal has been played and how much it lives in all of us as football fans. Um, despite being on the other end of it uh, as as English football fans, yet like you said, that goal has been played so many times you can dissect it, but you stand back and you applaud it. Michael, it's, uh, um, I mean, looking back at the 80s, 90s, as, as you specialise in, this goal has got to be right up there, isn't it? It's just one of the very best. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It's to me, it's one of the best goals ever, and it's most of the most uh, iconic goals as well. So yeah, it, it ticks both boxes. Um, I think what Andrew said about dissecting it, you know, when he gets the ball and he does the little pirouette spin, that's just absolutely sensational. Um, you know, the middle bit, as you, you say, you know, Peter Reid's running, he can't catch him, but the the ending where he sort of rounds the goal, he rounds Shilton and puts it in. He did something very similar in 1980, and I think he took the shot and it went wide. Either, either Shilton saved it or it went wide, and he remembered that, and that's why he took it around the keeper and put it in. But it's having that speed of thought to remember, Yeah, awesome. this is what I'm going to do. I've done this before. It went wrong. I've got to do something differently. That's where the genius comes in. In that moment, even though, as we've just said, what's happened in the last 20 minutes, the stage being a quarterfinal in the World Cup, yeah, sheer genius um, <clears throat> on a, like you said, a bit of a minefield of a pitch. Uh, just, yeah, just an unbelievable goal. Now, we have got, Andrew and I, um, the the first goal uh, of Maradona in that game, um, the hand of God in our top 10 iconic goals. Now, clearly, it makes our list for its pure iconic status versus its brilliance. Um, you know, it's not a brilliant goal because it shouldn't have even been a goal. But nonetheless, if you're looking back at iconic football moments, and goals, it, it is right up there. But I was I was thinking about the list um, when we were compiling it, and I almost wonder if these goals they so intrinsically belong to one another. Because had Maradona done that, the hand of God in a game that England then got back in and went on and won, it would just be derided as a horrible moment. Shouldn't have done it, but it would, I wouldn't say it'd be forgotten because it'd be part of the canon of that player in that tournament in football history. But it would have it wouldn't be celebrated like it is today. And I don't think celebrated is necessarily the right word because people don't say, oh, that's a brilliant moment, but they recognise it as such a unique and special moment. Whereas actually, I think it would just almost go back down as like a Suarez bite or something like that had it had England gone on and won the game. Because frankly, what happens is obviously Argentina do, and then they go and have the tournament that they do, and Maradona has as well. And so, I mean, there's been recent um, comments, which I don't have to handle, though it'd be quite funny if I did, from Shilton, even in the last five, ten years, the, the bitterness is still there. The hatred is still there. Like it's, it's that's the kind of moment that the hand of God created in all of those players. And I think if you look at the World Cup as a singular stage, a tournament that only comes around once every four years, so therefore as a footballer, maybe only once or twice in your career, um, 
you know, to almost feel like that's been taken away from you from a, a goal like that, you could kind of understand where he's coming from. But yeah, Andrew, we, we slotted in the list, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, purely based on its, yeah, the the how iconic the goal is, apart from, apart from anything else, really. Um, it's interesting, actually, I, I, just, I was wandering off there a little bit. Um, thinking of Ronaldo's wink in 2006 when Ran- Rooney got sent off and how um, Ronaldo's just been sort of like, you know, welcomed back into the Premier League and it's just like this, we've forgotten about the wink and, uh, you know, Maradona's handball. It's it's it's, um, it's funny, isn't it, how, how sort of things things go down, really. But uh, I think the, the the other rabbit hole I got lost down earlier was looking at, the, the I was reading an article online about um, if VAR was around, obviously the first goal doesn't, doesn't stand, but there was an argument about the second goal with a foul somewhere in the build-up on Hoddle. Um, so, like, basically, yeah, VR wasn't was was around then. Both goals yeah. would have been chalked off, and England would have gone through. So, I'm definitely definitely on to win the World Cup, obviously. Yeah. Um, Mike, uh, Mike P, why didn't this make your list? Um, I, I just felt that because of so many goals, I wanted to include it was either going to be this one or a second goal, and I just thought that the majesty and beauty of the second. Um, you know, was deserving in that top 10 list rather than a, a goal which shouldn't have been. I mean, let, let's be honest, Shilton should have punched the ball away. Yeah, there's <laughs> that as well. Let's be honest, there's that as well. Like, yeah. you just don't miss the ball and it's not an yeah. issue. Uh, I saw the quote after from Maradona as well, just saying like, um, well, my teammates weren't coming to celebrate with me. And I was asking them to celebrate so they got the, the ref would give it. And, and again, Michael, like, it's funny you say about the speed of four in terms of the second goal and knowing where he has to place it. You know, it's also speed of thought to, to to create that moment when you know you're not going to get there with your head to punch it in, get your get your player fellow players to celebrate. And I think, you know, I don't know what it would be like to be Diego Maradona. That's a that's a that's a mad, crazy, amazing, uh, fantastical life that he led. Um, but if any ninety minutes kind of defined him for both for all of him of what he was about, this was that, and that's why we included it. Um, would it would it have made your list, Michael? Uh, no, this, the second one would have done, definitely, but um, this one wouldn't. It's, it's definitely an iconic moment, but it's not a goal. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's, I think with, with, with this goal, I think what's interesting is you're, you're right that he then turns to his players and he's, he's literally like, come and celebrate, you know, come with me. You know, let's, we've got to make it out that, it, that it's a goal. But I think I read somewhere that the, the, the linesman didn't flag for it because the referee said he was going to make all the decisions. And... I think the Bulgarian linesman didn't raise his flag because he was expecting the referee to rule it out. The referee didn't rule it out. So the linesman did as he was told almost. There was a complete breakdown in communication as and well. And almost that moment had gone. So he's thought like, well, yeah. actually, you know, like, you can't, yeah, can't even discuss it. It's gone. But yeah, ruled it, yeah. And mad, he's mad like the lie, had, the lie had been sold and been bought and that was it. And, and I think you're right, Andrew, in terms of not just VAR, but if you look at the the world's eyes now and don't get me wrong tv clearly captured that it was still being beamed around the world to, to the extent that it was a world cup quarter final but that level of scrutiny with billions of eyes now streaming it watching it live replaying it a million times within 12 seconds on social media you almost those moments can't be brushed under the carpet now in the same way as you're saying michael in terms of the oh the lines probably should have flagged but the ref was making decisions and 10 15 seconds later oh, they're playing on now we'll just let the goal happen Whereas, you know, the whole pitch would just, you know, players would just sort of sit down and put a protest, wouldn't they? And you'd get video cameras out there and there'd be this, you know, it would be something would be trending on social media within 10 seconds. There'd be viral clips going around. And it just, the moment 
it sort of captured a time of football um, uh, in, in such an iconic moment. But we, we felt it had to be in there because the two goals lived together um, in, in summarising such an iconic game and such an iconic moment in football. Um, so that's one from our list that you didn't have, Mike. Um, what about you throwing us one that you've got that we've not? Um, I'm going to go with it. My son's always um, ripped me about this. It's the, probably the most watched goal in, in, in my household. And it's um, Socrates versus Italy in 1982. And there are lots and lots and lots of reasons. Um, but one is that um, it's just a time when, as an eight-year-old me, watching the World Cup at the time and just... Um, it was just, wow, those shirts, the, the, that, that tournament. And it was at a time when Brazilian footballers rarely played abroad. Mm. And this team at that World Cup just mesmerised football fans. And for me, this goal just, you know, was the epitome of um, incredible skill that they possess. And I've seen the goal hundreds of times. And if I just briefly go through it, Leandro takes a throw on, a legendary Flamingo fullback, takes a throw on in his own half to Socrates. Um, he turns with the ball and he's still in his own half and he has time on the ball, approaches a halfway line. And then with, I think, his fourth or fifth touch, he then plays a pass into Zico. And this is where it really starts. And Zico, who's, who's my favourite player growing up, um, you know, he's in between the lines and shadowed menacingly by Claudio Gentile. Zico then performs this incredible piece of skill, turns Gentile, and Socrates is caught up with the ball that he's passed. He's gone past Zico. Zico's cut inside, and then he's, he's performed this amazing uh, defence-splitting pass. Socrates then takes the ball in his stride, his first touch, is away from the defender, then beats Dino's off uh, the near post. And, you know, from a personal point of view, it's iconic because he introduced me as an eight-year-old to football from almost another planet. Uh, but, the, you know, there is a bigger picture in, your, in, in about the 1982 Brazil team, and we may or may not discuss it, but for me, that goal was, was just beauty, beauty in those few seconds. I mean, you missed a, you missed a career in commentary as well, Michael. That, 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 you know, that, that's, that's absolutely nailed it. Um, uh, Michael, do you have recollections of this team, of, of that team, of this goal, um, and, and as, as a fan sitting on the sides and watching that fantastic goal? Yeah, that um, that Brazil 82 side is is very special, um, you know, with Socrates, Zico, and you've got Facal and Edda, and there's, there's some brilliant, brilliant players. I think most of that team was basically um, the, the Flamengo team that um, beat Liverpool in the 81 Intercontinental Cup. Uh, but that, that goal is, 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 is brilliant. And unfortunately, because if you win, it's almost like it's in vain. Um, and the Falcao's goal as well for Brazil in that game is, is really good as well. But, um, you know, that's where Rossi sort of wakes from his coma almost and gets a hat-trick and then goes on to become, you know, the, the golden boot and win the World Cup. But uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant goal. And it, it's it's almost... Italians are used, are, are famous for being ultra-defensive, aren't they? And being really, really tough at the back and giving nothing away. And that goal literally just dissects them. And it's, it is a brilliant goal. There's no doubt about that. And you're right, the, um, Mike, as well, around the, the, the kits as well. If you think about iconic Brazilian kits, probably that one that people remember, uh, you know, or people think about when they look at it. And as you say, strangely, because that's not necessarily, they didn't go on and win the World Cup and they've won it more times than any other team in history. But in many ways, that was the, that's the kit when you think of Brazil as a nostalgic retro shirt. It's probably that one. Um, but as you say, uh, it suddenly became Rossi's World Cup and, the Italian um, army moving forward, which was phenomenal. Um, Andrew, thoughts on that goal? Because we, we've got another brilliant Brazil goal in our 10. 
but yeah, it's yeah, have I mean, easily made it as well. Right. This, if, if if I'm honest, Mike, this is one of the ones I was shocked that you didn't have in your list. If I'm honest, um, Carlos Alberto, 1970, final no, I, of the World yeah. Cup against Italy. This is a team that are probably, arguably, the best international side of all time. Um, and I mean, I, I'm not going to try and do the commentary that you uh, just delivered. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even bother. But, but... So one of you could be Cara. One of you could be Neville. Yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah. One more eloquent oh, flow in the other one's Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, Yeah. And um, I, I just, just a, what, what a fabulous goal. And I watched it again earlier. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite slow paced, really. Like the build up is just sort of popping it about, like they're on, like they're just sort of Sunday league. And um, it, for me, it's the, it's the Pele touch, stand still. Oh, his pause right. is almost as good, as, is, is, is almost as iconic as the goal. He's, the he, pause, he's, he's actually know. said in interviews, um, sort of down the years, that that was part of their training regime all the time. That move. They, they knew he knew exactly where Carlos Alberto was going to be in terms of the pace he was going to be running at. It's just a lovely little layoff and what an, what a finish, what a finish. Do you know what it's interesting you say that because you're right, it's often lauded as the ultimate team, going ultimate team. But going into that World Cup, England were actually favourites to win the World Cup. Mm. We were we had a brilliant side, uh, and obviously that group stage group stage game against Brazil were, was one of the great tussles, wasn't it? It was two top top quality sides. Um, but then actually, like you said history paints a different picture and a bit like uh, Rossi and Italy going on and winning that World Cup from, from you know, determining that final and, and Brazil not getting the job in the, there. In many respects, the ninth, going into the 1970 World Cup, England favours to retain the title that we'd obviously won in 66. And then suddenly we leave that and history canonises that Brazil side as the greatest um, international time, team of all time. And it's just, it's funny that moments, results and clearly iconic goals like the ones we're discussing can help dictate that viewpoint. But that, that Brazil England game earlier on in that tournament was Lord, wasn't it? It was like the, the winner, it's like winner takes all, really. And and like that Bobby Moore tackle uh, is, is iconic, isn't it? In itself, you've also got the the Pele Bobby Moore, um, yeah, you know, the hugger, the embrace in the, the, that photo. Um, Pele obviously winning his third and final World Cup. Um, come on, Mike, Mike, we're gonna need convincing here. Well, how has that not come out on top into the Socrates? Come on, um, I mean, I, I, I as I said before, if we're talking, what does iconic mean? And for me, um, some of the some of the choices were personal. And while I grew up on watching a, a lot of those Brazil game, uh, those Brazil moments, and obviously the Carlos Alberto one, probably along with Maradona, probably the most iconic moments in World Cup history. Um, I just personalised that that Socrates one because, um, um, yeah, they, they were my team. In, in fact, I remember going to school, and uh, my teacher at the time he said to me, "Should we write to Zico?" Because he had, he had a copy of a World Soccer magazine and Zico was on the cover. He just signed for Udinese. So I did. And I had a friend in the, in the class who was Portuguese. So we translated in Portuguese. And you know what? He replied to me. Wow. He actually replied to me. I've lost a letter. No. They replied to me. I have actually lost a letter, unfortunately. Oh. Um, but I've still, I've still got the book that I wrote. Um, it, we, we used to write stories. And I, and I said that uh, Zico is my favourite footballer and so on. But years, years later, for uh, my friend's podcast, some Shoot the Defence, I actually have interviewed um, Zico's son. So I've had this, um, uh, in, we've become friends on, online and through WhatsApp and so Amazing. on. So just from that, men mentioning it on, 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 um, on, um, you know, on, on social media, and that's come out. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's a very personal choice. And um, enough, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm having that. No, you've, yeah, you've completely sold it, mate. <laughs> 
You sold it, but it's still not a more iconic goal. <laughs> Michael Hamley, of the two, would, would either or both make your lists? Um, Alberto made my list. Yeah. Um, I, I think that goal, I know you've just gone through it, but the setting, the stage, also I think it's the, it's the colours as well, because I think, you know, this is when you go from the black and white to the colour, and this is like first sort of colour World Cup. But it's also a sort of a South American versus European style game. And let's be honest, South Americans come on top and quite emphatically as well. But I think what you said about the Palais with, with you know, he gets the ball and he, he stops. If you look at the Italian defence, they freeze. They don't know what he's going to do because um, they're almost scared of him. And he just rolls the ball into Alberto and he literally, you know, he just smashes the net off, doesn't he, with the pace and the power from that shot. Um, it's just, he just caps off that World Cup perfectly. You can't get bored of watching that strike. You really, really can't. I mean, I mean, yeah. and actually thinking about these goals in this list and other great goals that you, we can sort of throw in maybe at the end is, it's 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 the greatest goal as well that's been that's been scored by not necessarily an absolute superstar, you know. And and like the the, the Maradona, like Mike mentioned earlier about that Maradona second goal, is England sort of encapsulates that Argentinian football, that culture, that nation. It defines an era. And I think that this Carlos Alberto goal is just. It is the ultimate team goal, and that's why it's called that because it's just it's scored by what the right back, the right wing back, you know, and it's um, yeah, you, you it's absolutely timeless. Yeah, it's a, spe- it's a special goal, um, running off a special tournament, and and again, I know you just say bursting into color and into our minds in 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 a very special way. Well, should we take it then, Andrew? If we 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 give one that happened four years before that, should we go for that one next then? Um, and you know, whilst we're on the subject of World Cups and, and why not? World Cups are special, aren't they? They're special because uh, they only happen every four years. The world comes together. They watch these things. But it's and you that, win them once. <laughs> you win them once. You only win them once. If you win them once, more than once, it's probably not that special. So it's funny, it's much better just to win it once and then win it multiple times, like Germany, Italy, or Brazil, or any other team that's won it more than once. Um, no, England's last goal in that World Cup final in 66... I think it's canonised because of two reasons. One, it's the final goal in the World Cup. But it's the commentary, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's, it's, it's the commentary. And again, so that's another angle when we're looking at iconic goals. It's not necessarily the goal itself, the game. It's also how we remember it. And we remember it because of they think it's all over. It is now. And that's essentially why we remember the goal and what it means to us, particularly of this generation, um, in growing up in the UK. Uh, it's all, you know, then if you start to dissect the game a bit more, it's obviously the fourth goal with the third one being slightly controversial, again, in terms of did it or not across the line. I think I, I was reading earlier and that my rabbit hole was that modern technology has proved it didn't and something like only 97% of the ball crossed the line, not 100% of the ball. And clearly VAR wouldn't have had that. Well, the goal line technology, let alone VAR, wouldn't have seen that given um, the Jeff Hurst's um, goal to make it free too. So, you know, it's the final goal. In many ways, it's the ceiling goal. Um, but again, you've got fans running on the pitch, which is why they say they think it's all over and it is now. And again, that probably wouldn't happen now. The, the, the wish will be blown and seven or eight minutes would be added on. It's a special goal. It's obviously one, again, that's a setting of a World Cup final at home with the home nation winning it. For us, it had to be in there for maybe slight personal bias growing up. That was shown a billion times on our TV screens. But I think given the nature of it, um, given the commentary from Kenneth Forsen home, it made our top 10 and it didn't appear in yours, Mike. 
No, no, and, and, and I wanted to try and, you know, mix it up a bit, but that, that along with um, Carlos Alberto, Diego Maradona's ambassador talking, uh, you know, genuinely, um, you know, historic moments for those, for those individual players and for those nations and for those, for those uh, uh, tournaments. Um, but also, let's not forget, it's, it's the only time um, um, a footballer scored a hat-trick in a World Cup, and that was the third goal. Hmm. So it, it, it's iconic in, in, a, in that historical context as well. Yeah, well, the World Cup final, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's Jeff. If you you mentioned Jeff Hurst. It's pretty much if you if you ask the football fans to write down five facts about Jeff Hurst, you know, the, the, they're going to write that first, and then it's well, they're going to write, like, and uh, then they're going to struggle, and then again, then they're scratching their head. <laughs> no, 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 disres- no disrespect to Jeff, because I know he listens, but but I mean, <laughs> and I, I just we um good chance to plug a little past episode here, Tom. Back in the HTO annals, we had obviously a. A football commentary uh, episode didn't we and this came yeah. up as obviously one of the greatest comment- commentary moments of all time um and we're we're reminded it aren't we guys as well like you know every major tournament england play now I mean, we came close back in the summer last year but we're um we're always reminded with that goal aren't we every single time it comes up in the montages pre-tournament we can't shake it off can we michael was it making your top 10 uh no it's not actually and i feel quite ashamed actually that it that it, that it wouldn't but one thing I do find fascinating about this goal is the game is literally over and we're still attacking. See, now, nowadays you're always told to take to the corner, boot it out and all those things. And if you watch the goal, I don't know if you guys have seen the version I watched this today, but we actually had the ball just before and we gave it away to the Germans and they put a dangerous ball in that Bobby Moore comes behind and clears. And then from that, we then kick it long up to Hurst and we score. And you see the referees literally almost waving that the game's over, there's no time left. But you're not, we're not doing what, we, what you're told to do now, which is waste time. We're, we're still going for it, which is brilliant, really, because that's what you should be doing, really, isn't it? Yeah. But it's, and, 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 it, and it pays off because he gets his goal and he gets the hat trick. But uh, it's a great ball from Bobby Moore, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah it's a great finish yeah. as well, really. You know. And you're right as well. Like that, the, the ref could so easily just blow it when he passes that ball, and it's just like <laughs> we're not we're not here talking about it, are we? It's just it's crazy, really. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Mike didn't make yours, but give us a goal that did. Um, I'm going to go with um, French Pushkas versus England at Wembley in 1953. Uh, the famous drag back goal. Yeah. Um, sent England captain Billy Wright flying one way. He took the ball the other. Mm-hmm. and smashed it home and there's a there's a great quote from Sir Alex Ferguson about the goal um, and he said that um quote he, he, he cut back inside took right so far out of the game he had to pay three and six get back in the ground <laughs> so I, I think it's iconic because England at the time were seen as the masters of the game and, uh, and up until that point had never been beaten by a foreign team at Wembley and yet they were ceremoniously taught um, a footballing lesson that afternoon um, and of course, a year later, they 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 got they got battered again um, in Hungary this time. Um, and I think you know, things like football tactics, the way to play the game, was um, w- was really looked at, you know, by the home nations. And mm. I think you know that that Pushkas goal was quite iconic in that regard. Uh, I think you're right. It's it's one that um, I, I hope listeners they might not know what I look like. They might not know how youthful and and young we all are before us. But it's one <laughs> clearly before. Um, I, I was uh, born, um, but there are a couple of goals, and we're going to speak about another one shortly, that stand out as growing up and just understanding what football was 
maybe before the birth of color TV, like you said, Michael, and what football was before the, you know, the, the globalization of the game and, and social media and online and the ability to see any goal anywhere. There are some goals that make it through that and some moments in football that make it through that. And that post goal is definitely one of them. And I think you're right. There was that sense that even though uh, Hungary had this fantastic team and they were, you know, doing so well on the international stage, yeah, English is the football game. We, we invented football. We're brilliant at football. And yet here we are at Wembley and almost pulling, you know, pulling the proverbials down and pulling trousers down and actually doing that is a phenomenal goal um, and a phenomenal football. And like you said, one from, you know, in inverted commas, foreign lands coming to England, or Puskas, who's this? And to do that on at Wembley, um, a brilliant, brilliant goal. Um, Andrew, a bit similar, I guess, then to the one that we've got slightly later, a bit in the same decade. Yeah, a 17-year-old in Sweden uh, happens to rock up um, and uh, um, 1958 final against Sweden, the volley goal where it just the little loop over the defender and then volleys it home, smashes it home, um, and Pele just becomes an absolute superstar. It, to be honest, even earlier on in the tournament, uh, he comes comes into the side in the third group game, um, and it badly badly needed as well. And um, he turns up and just the savior really at 17 years of age. Um, I, I, I think the reason this wanted to make our ten is that I think people often overlook Pele when they talk about the greatest of all time now in a, modern, in a weird, strange way. If you had this conversation 20, 30 years ago, no one would be overlooking him. But what time does it is it moves on and people drop out of their, their consciousness of, of the greatest of all times. And, and it will, the same thing will happen to Maradona. If you fast forward 15, 20 years, there'll be the new couple who are on the scene and they'll only be compared to Messi and Ronaldo. They won't then be look further back. And it's and I understand that it's recency bias and I'm sure I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone else because we all become, uh, you know, sort of have that recency bias. But nonetheless, you're talking about a 17-year-old. I don't care the standard of football. You only can play your, in your time and you can only play against the teams you're up against. You have a 17-year-old scoring, I think it's two or three goals in semi-final and then two goals in the final. And then going on and winning three World Cups. This is a joke. Like this is a, if a seventeen-year-old did that now, you know, in the World Cup final, lobbing a player and then um, volleying it into the corner. Like you know, what we're talking about is standards that are incredible. And again, it's another one of those goals. And if 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 um, people listening maybe aren't as familiar with it, go online, Pele Sweden, lob over the head, volley into the corner, and they'll actually they'll recognise it. They'll go, actually, oh yeah, I've seen that goal before on compilations. It's a special goal from an incredibly special player. And like it, meant, say, it meant a lot for Brazilian football as well at the time. Huge amount for Brazilian football. you had gone and win three World Cups and this is it, announcing yourself as one of the best players in the world at 17 years old is, is quite astonishing for me. Um, Mike Pierre, it didn't make your list, but I'm sure you, you're, you're a big fan of this goal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, again, growing up and we had a book at home, me and my brother, and there was this illustration of it and um, I'd always wanted to see it. Obviously, we didn't have YouTube and, um, you know, grandstand and, you know, the, the FA Cup final when they did some montages sometimes, it would appear. And um, absolutely. And again, the, the start of um, one of the greatest careers in football history. Yeah. Michael Hamlin, any, any thoughts on that? Brilliant, brilliant goal, brilliant player. He is a brilliant, brilliant goal. And I think he's, he's mentioned about the fact he's 17. I think that's quite significant because he gets a hat-trick against France. And that French team in the semi-final, that French team were a really, really good side with uh, Fontaine and Roman Coppa. And, and, you know, they were scoring goals for fun. So the fact that, you know, Brazil beat them 5-2, get to the final, you know, that's, that's a great achievement in itself. But this goal, I watched it on YouTube and 
you know, when he gets the ball, when the ball comes into him, the defender he's up against is quite a big, strong defender, and he basically outwits him, flicks the ball over the other defender, but the other defender takes a massive smack into the top end of his thigh, um, and you don't see it because it's so quick. So when you slow it down, you see it, and he gets his massive kick on the thigh, which he could have gone down. And to be fair to him, he doesn't. He just waits for the ball to drop, and he just smacks it past the goalie. And it, it's just almost poetry in motion. It's just brilliant. It's an incredible goal. And I'm thinking about similar goals in recent times. I know Messi did it to Arsenal, flicking over the head in the Gibbs head in the penitentiary scoring. I mean, Arsenal fans were lauding uh, um, Oswald's gone in the Champions League when it went through, flicked over the lead, dummied, and then slotted home. Um, and we're talking about the World Cup final at 17, the composure. We spoke about composure earlier for the Maradona second goal. The composure of a 17 year old on that stage. There's similarities uh, with the Gaza as well against Scotland. Yeah. And, you know, it's just it's astonishing stuff. Um, and for me, it fits in there. Again, it's one of those, I'm sure it's appeared on multiple, so I won't, I won't name one because I wouldn't be able to grab a name. But, you know, those pre-match compilations and, or, you know, intro credits for different World Cup shows and programmes. And it's always there, um, that goal. And, and rightly so, you know, almost like the, the dummy ghost goal and you didn't go in, but you did as well. Um, but it's just always there and rightly so. It's a phenomenal goal and... One that if we look at iconic football goals is probably evaporating from our, again, the canon of football just because of the age of it. And it's, it's natural, but it's uh, we're still fans of it for now. And I'm sure it will be replaced in the years to come. I think, it, I think it ticks a lot of the boxes as well. If we were putting together a, a bullet-pointed list of criteria, I think it ticks all the boxes in terms of a star is born, the historical context of it at the time in Brazil with the football, the the, the how they were seen at the time as well the kind of the first emerging multi you know ethnic group as well in terms of yeah. the Brazilian makeup of that side as well and I think just... it was the first World Cup final which was a South American team against European side as well um, mm. and you know it's the first time that had happened I believe and so you know again it was that football on the world stage not quite for the first time but in many people's consciousness which is phenomenal I'm, I'm trying to keep count Mike how many goals have you got left in your list we've got I think we've got three um, I have got one, two, three, four, five. 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 Well, we better go with a couple of yours then. Which one are you going to? Th- which which couple are you going to throw at us? Um, I'm going to throw um, Angelos Haristeas versus Portugal Euro 2004, uh, the final. And being from you know Greek Cypriot descent, uh, this goal has obvious special memories. Uh, but in terms of football history, it also has a I guess a resonance which is iconic. Um, the fact that in sport, let alone football, anything can happen. Mm. And how a team of relative unknowns conquered Europe by beating the host twice in the first match and the last match, the reigning champions, then the favourites. It was a very simple goal, but its importance cannot be overstated to Greek football and to Minos everywhere, you know, dare to dream. Mm. Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah. I mean, uh, when, you've nailed when, that. I mean, sorry, just Portuguese golden generation we're talking, aren't we, as well? Mm. You know, that generation that was lauded for so long as not quite doing it on the global stage. It's not like, you know, lucked out and then in the finals also play someone else who wasn't quite um, of that stature because the, the, the stages really opened up. You're talking that Figo generation, you know, you're, you're talking Manish, you're talking top, top players. And like you say, and, and with the greatest respect, little old Greece coming along and shocking the football world, really, which had been which which had been the Denmark Denmark story of '92, but it's happened again, and and I think 
you know, again, recency bias makes people think it couldn't happen these days. You'd have these top stars, these global stars, and yet it did happen, making people dream. Sorry, Andrew, cut across you. No, I, I just think as well, it's just a similar similar reaction to the Jeff Hurst uh, goal as well in terms of, you know, Harris Dias, if you, if you mentioned someone, you know, we, we all know immediately, we just know the goal, we know the cross, the header, and Jeff Hurst is like a little bit like how he's been known for down the years, you know, there's certain moments that just transcend everything really. Um, and, you know, the, the, the names on this list that we have, the Van Basten, Messi, you know, um, Pele, uh, and Jeff Hurst, Karis Deus, it's, it's just great because that, that goal, I think you summed it up perfectly as well, uh, Mike, that it's the, the story of the underdog in the, in, in, on the biggest of stages, um, which, which um, yeah. And that's why we love sport ultimately as well, is that it's the underdog story that you get more in team sports than anything else. It's why we love the Leicester winning the Premier League. It's why we love the, the Rome, you know, we, we were, again, we're going we're gonna to keep on doing it. It's our pod, why not? We were lucky enough to have uh, Peter Jury on there um, from a commentator's perspective talking about that famous goal Roma against Barcelona the comeback uh Greek god in Rome you know with the famous commentary there and this is similar in terms of unexpected things that happen in a sporting arena take our breath away it's the pure escapism it's fun and it's iconic for that reason over and above being a very special player um Michael obviously a goal more more recent versus the others my family you what do you remember this tournament and goal uh, well, from this tournament, I just remember Rooney being the best thing I've seen for years and then breaking his toe and, or his misotarsal, and that was the end of that for England. Um, but for money, I, I know the goal, but I couldn't have told you the goal scorer for this one. And But I think the way that Mike summed it up and what it means to him, I think it's absolutely perfect. Um, I think when I think of underdog goals, I probably think of John Jensen and Kim Vilfort for, for, for Denmark in um, in that in you know, against Germany um, in 92. But, um, yeah, I, I think the way that Mike set that up and the, the backdrop to why it's his choice, I think it's perfect. Yeah, and no, I think you're right. And I think we've not really got, like, an underdog story um, in our 10. But uh, it is part of what makes football very special. And I think probably if we did a combined list, um, there should be a place for an underdog goal in your top 10 iconic goals somewhere. Whether it's that one, I'm sure that we could do um, reach a few a few others All right you were still one ahead of us i think you still got four to go do you want to throw another one out then yeah i want to pick one which was a bit left field but i thought um i'll put it in there just for you know uh, it's something to talk about and i've got i've gone with um corporal luis fernandez the the fictitious escape to victory goal Calais overhead kick <laughs> so um to a generation of many of us growing up watching escape to victory so many well-known footballers it was just it was just great great to watch and of course, the execution of the goal, the cinematography. Yeah, we know it wasn't Hollywood, but uh, you know, just for the for the Allied POWs to equalise against the Nazis, it was a great moment, wasn't it? It's iconic. This is an iconic goal. This is an iconic Christmas goal. What we're saying as well, there are many Christmas films or festive films um, that aren't anything to do with Christmas, but you always just find yourself watching. And you know, that's so, so Sunday afternoon films. You know. Uh, the Great Escape, Escape to Victory, and the, the Italian Job, those kind of films, certainly when I was growing up. And this is, when your list came through, I loved this one, um, because you're quite right. Where else are you going to get Sylvester Stallone uh, lining up against, or with rather, as um, is, and Pele, you know, Bobby Moore. Now, this is, this is it's brilliant. Uh, it's, um, it, it's a cause for all of us to celebrate. It's a lovely goal. 
Uh, it's an overhead kick goal. What can you give, do better than that? But more than that, um, I, I think that would go down very iconic. Imagine if that. Imagine if it was a real goal. How iconic that would be. The world's best footballers on the pitch at the same time. Uh, some prisoners of war, fight, you know, fighting the good fight, scoring a great goal in front of rapturous crowds who themselves are turning support for the Allied cause. Um, as we, as through the 90 minutes of football, you're seeing the populace change. You know, that's fun. And it's an iconic goal. Uh, Michael, we won't ask for your memories of this goal. What about your thoughts on the film? I presume you've seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it actually for ages, to be honest with you. Um, and then when I saw the name and I was like, I don't know who, who, who which footballer plays it, but I thought that's got to be Pele's overhead kick. And it was. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not a master of this film. And I know it is an iconic football film. And I have seen it years ago. Um, but I, I know it is a, it definitely got a cult following this film. So I can yeah, understand. Yeah, and it's another one that um, for potentially, and I don't want to presume, but potentially younger listeners, if you've not seen it, um, it excuse the slightly dead, uh, dodgy uh, production. It is a bit of an older film, but go and watch it. Escape to Victory. It's a fun, fun Christmas slash festive slash Sunday afternoon, rainy Sunday afternoon. Whenever you want to put it on, it's going to go down well. It's a great film. Um, whack it on. So does that make us three, three goals each left? Uh, yes. Right. To remind people, these aren't, again, the, the, uh, in any order. Um, they're just iconic, our top 10 iconic goals. Andrew, do you want to throw another one for us then? Yeah, I'm thinking, should we should we leave our messy debate for the end? So we yeah, let's leave that to the end, yeah. Um, well, I think a goal that I alluded to earlier, similar to the Van Basten strike, uh, we're, we're talking Hampden Park, 2002 Champions League final. The Galacticos, probably the best Galactico as well. The ball, the ball just drops out of the sky. Roberto Carlos hooks it in somehow, just manages to hook a crossover. Is it, is it, no is rule. rubbish yeah, cross? No. This, and this is what up. makes the goal so brilliant. I mean, the Van Basten cross, you could argue, was probably was for Van Basten. This is more of just a looping up in the air. And Zidane, with his weak foot, um, manages to somehow just uh, steer an unbelievable volley into the top corner. And the celebration, the, the, the Clive Tildesley... Um, Oh, just fantastic. And and yeah, it's just probably it, the best Champions League goal. I mean, Gareth Bale might have something to say about that, but but I think, um, you know. But again, iconic is really important because Gareth Bale's, for me, is a better goal, that overhead kick. It's a phenomenal overhead kick. It's probably the best overhead kick I've ever seen. But this is way more iconic, and this is remembered by so many more people for those reasons you've just said. You know, you have the combination of the Galacticos team with the superstars. Um, you have... I love the word you used there, Andrew, as well, steer. Because it's, he doesn't just, he doesn't ferociously lash at this. If you actually look at it versus many volleys you see on best goal compilations, it's not even hit with that much power or pace. It's just serene. The ball loops up from, like you said, almost like a hopeful hook into the into the area rather than a, a pinpoint cross or even like an overhit cross like the Van Basten one. It loops up, edge of the area, just inside, weak of foot, poetry in motion, top corner and we're not talking the last minute of the game which we might do in a minute with Mike's choices we're not talking the last minute Champions League winner we are just talking a Champions League goal on a stroke of half time but the brilliance of it is so great that it's just canonized straight away as a yeah as a it's it's it's, it's it's just magic from a magician and sometimes that is enough you know yeah um Michael uh, Michael Hamlin, what, what are your memories of that? Or you got to you got to be a fan of that one, does it? Would it make your uh, list or get close? 
It, it does. It it, it, it does. Um, it's one of those goals that I remember watching this on TV and, and I remember seeing it and it's just one of those goals, you know, you've just seen something very special from a very mm. special player and you just go, wow. And I think, you know, when you mentioned about Roberto Carlos's cross basically being a bit of a, a nothing cross that loops up, that's what really gives him the chance because if it was whipped in with pace, mm. um, I don't think he would have been able to have, to have been able to almost work out and size it up as, as, with, with the time that he has, but because it just drops out of the air almost, and you've got to look at the marking. Where's the marking on him? But yeah. he just has has the time just to go, as you say, left foot, and the technique's brilliant, and he just puts it in the top corner. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a brilliant, brilliant goal. And I think setting-wise, you know, he's done it in a World Cup final and he's done it in a Champions League final. Mm. It's not bad, is it? It's not bad. <laughs> not um, at all. Uh, Mike Pierre, you've got to, got to love that goal. Oh, superb. I think there's also a lovely sort of nostalgic symmetry for Real Madrid as well. Uh, go back to 1960 and that famous 7-3 victory yes. of um, you know, Real Madrid versus Eintracht Frankfurt. And then decades later, Zidane, mm. best player in the world, um, comes up with that in the same same you know, same arena, same um, final. And I think it's just, just a lovely moment. Beautiful moment. Two, only two left for us, though. So why don't you give us one of your final three? Yes. Um, um, will you permit me a late substitution? Oh, yeah. Sorry, you're just going to be a curveball, but go for it. it is yeah, I'm going to go careful. It is. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to go with um, Ricky Villa's FA Cup goal in 1981. If we're talking about iconic moments, just, just having the conversation with all three of you, I just thought we haven't had um, an FA Cup final goal. And I think probably growing up, the most iconic FA Cup final goal was Ricky Villa's uh, winner against Man City. Just mm. that slaloming run the way he slots in the near post, then falls over. And then he just runs the length of the pitch and no one can catch him in a celebration. <laughs> so just, just you know, those, I can see those pictures now and the commentary as well. So um, I'm, I'm going to go with Ricky Villa's cup final goal in 81. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because we, we were talking earlier about sort of putting, Tom and I had sort of seven shoe-ins really. And then we had a couple that we weren't sure about. And I, I just happened to mention Ryan Giggs against Arsenal just mm. because it wasn't a final. But I, for me, that is probably the most iconic FA Cup goal. It's not my favourite, <laughs> by no means. Um, there's a few Arsenal ones that, fortunately, I can remember a few Arsenal ones that we've had in the finals over the years. But but the the Giggs goal, um, to me, is is really iconic. And that was actually a consideration. But I think being Arsenal fans, we sort of managed to sort of move that one along a little bit. But um, no, no, good shout. I hope you haven't taken out the Cambiasso one, though, Mike. Um, I have. <laughs> or, right, Mike, give us 10-second pitch on Cambiasso goal. This, this, it's not included. It's not in okay. making your top 10. But right. why was it Why was it there for... It, it was basically in the 11, ladies and gents, but it pulled a hammy in the warm-up. It uh, but, but, it, but, but it's still right there or thereabouts. OK, um, purely because as a, as a team goal, I mean, I'll, I'll do it quickly, 24-25 passes, back to front, left to right, patience personified. You had Mascarano, Raquel me. Cambiasso, all getting touches on the ball. It sort of, if you watch it, it sort of appears to be moving in slow motion. But with the Serbian players, this was um, against Serbia in 2006 World Cup, with the Serbian Montenegro players chasing shadows. And then Saviola picks the picks her pass um, from Rikelmi. Then he curls the ball outwards um, towards the edge of the box where Cambiasso is. And he expertly controls it. It's quite a difficult pass to control. Brilliant, it's a bouncing yeah. pass. And then he passes it into Crespo. And left foot control, right foot, right foot back heel, 
and then Cambiasso smashes it in the top left-hand corner. They go on to win 6-0. Oh, maybe I should have kept it. But, to be, honest, you know, it's a to be honest, I think this was, um, I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to pitch it to Tom because I know that it wouldn't go down well because basically it's Raquel May. So like, because Raquel May is the orchestrator of that goal, but I yeah. know Tom wasn't going to have any of that. So I just thought, no, it's fine. And to be honest, I wouldn't say it's an iconic goal no. to a degree, but for me, it's one of the best goals at a World Cup I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and Raquel May, the little dink around the corner to, to Saviola as well, was one of my favourite passes in the whole move. But oh, Cambiasso, Cambiasso's pass to Crespo, mm. that, that touch is an unbelievable... Yeah. Bit of control. It, it's a great goal for me. It would, it would, it would figure more in fantastic goals or best yeah. goals as opposed to iconic. I think you're right. An FA Cup final winner should be there in, in a great final as well. As well, yeah. you know, we're not talking just a, a scrappy uh, late goal. We're talking a, a classic in in many ways, um, which doesn't doesn't too often get overlooked. I, th- I think we've got we've got two left, and the goal that I'll talk about next for us um, is probably. You know, if we're looking at iconic, it definitely doesn't fall in the realm of uh, important or, or meaningful in many ways. But we're talking about a goal that's been canonised from the 1990s so much so that it, it, it perpetuated a myth that this player was good at free kicks. When in reality, um, if you're looking at percentage of, uh, you know, you, you the chances of Roberto Carlos scoring a free kick for you were actually pretty slim. But he did score this one against France in that pre in the pre 1997 so it was a warm up sort of international tournament ahead of the, the World tournoi, Cup the following was year. It? La tournoi? Yeah, yeah tournoi de France yeah. or whatever it was. Um but what it's just so iconic isn't it? And like I said every child across the world certainly certainly I at the time as a, as a as a young teenager was probably getting a sort of a flyaway football uh you know a plastic beach kind of football um and hitting that thinking I was Roberto Carlos can curve a free kick in from 35, 40 yards like that, um, the goal against France's free kick. It does move a hell of a long way. And this is in the days of a football normally would stay hit, you know, as opposed to your early 2000s ball would start to do everything. Um, to get that, to get the swerve on that, on his free kick there became so iconic. It was a definition of Samba football, wasn't it? It, wasn't, it was just a, a Roberto Carlos, a left back to do that. We had to have it in there for that very reason, just because, like I said, it perpetuated this myth that he was a phenomenal free kick taker. It is if you if you get any any iconic free kick lists, it will be in your top two or three. It's up there, even though it's basically a meaningless goal in a one-one draw in a, in a friendly tournament. And to be fair, I think uh, because he's a subscriber to HDO, so I thought we had to level it up after the bad cross against Leverkusen, didn't we? So? Yeah, that's it. So, Roberto, we know you're you're a big fan of HTO. So, thank you forever for tuning in and giving away all your merchandise for us for um, prizes. But we thought we'd have to give that as a. As I mean, a I mean that the goal he scores for Real Madrid by the corner flag. I don't know. Is it against Betis? Yeah, the really tight angle one, sort of like. But like that is just across. that is an insane goal. Insane goal, far greater goal, if we're talking about a better goal than this, which is, let's be honest, he's run up, his 40-yard run up. You know that classic really long run up as well? Mm. And he's just basically pinged this. Uh, Michael Hamley, what are your memories of this goal? This? If I'm honest, when I first saw this goal, I didn't think it was that good. Because yeah. I, I, th- I remember looking at it from the side view and you just look, well, it's, it's out from a, from a far distance, fair enough. But when you look at the angle from behind the ball and you see the balls going towards the corner flag and then it bends in, that's what makes that goal fantastic. So you have to watch it from that angle mm, and then yeah. you can appreciate just how good that goal actually is. Because I think when I first saw it and I said it went in from a long distance, 
And I thought, what's Barthez doing? You know, he's, you know, just let it go in almost. And then I think when you see it from the other angle, you understand why he, he thinks he's going out for a corner. And it, next thing you know, it's nestled in the bottom corner next to him and he's completely bemused. So it's, it is a brilliant goal, but you've got to look at both angles, I think, on that goal. Mm. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's fair. Didn't make your list, um, but a cracking one might be. We've, you've got two left. Why don't you throw us one? Um, I'm going to go they're two from, from you know, Manchester United. Um, you know, being a United fan, um, I think they're quite important. First one is Mark Robbins versus Nottingham Forest in 1990, um, FA Cup third round tie. Um, there was a myth that um, had United lost that, that tie, that Alex Ferguson would have been sacked. It's been debunked many times uh, by many people, and most notably Martin Edwards. But it was actually a very good, a beautiful goal as well. Uh, the way that Mark Hughes, you know, bends, bends the ball with the outside of his right foot, and then the, the header, the, the preciseness and the, 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 of the header to sort of um, use the bounce to make sure it goes into the corner by Mark Robbins. It, it was it was delicate and precise. It was really, you know, a really good goal and a really important goal. That, that, that's your right when you say important. And yeah, you, I also saw and I read up about the goal and I saw this morning that it had been debunked. But it's easy to debunk it now, isn't it? Now that that didn't happen and they went on and achieved all success. I do wonder if you drop out that <laughs> cover that stage whether actually trigger might have been pulled, we don't know. Um, and it's easy to debunk it now. Uh, but that definitely falls into important goals. But you're also right in terms of summing up an era that was to come. Another one that nearly made the list for me, um, again, not because of its importance or specialness, but was the Beckham halfway against Wimbledon for the reason that for me, it kind of defined the superstardom of the 90s, superstardom of Beckham, the Sky Sports, and, you know, I think it was like 96, 97, wasn't it? Like, um, but it was just like the arrival of... Uh, you know, David Beckham as a brand, Man United as the dominating force in the, in the UK that will go on winning title how many times and still two or three years from winning their Champions League. But nonetheless, some goals define what was to come as much as they do what is that moment in that goal uh, and what it means for that. But um, Michael, did you remember, Michael Hammond, do you remember this goal? For, um, the cup one? I do. I, I do remember this goal and I, I know all the stuff about it, the, the goal that say Fergie and, and all that stuff that goes with it. And, you know, it's a brilliant, brilliant um, sort of through ball slash cross from Hughes on the outside of his right boot. And as Mike says, that the header is, you know, lovely sort of cushion header into into the bottom, the bottom of the goal, the goalkeeper, the bottom right goal is standing as the goalkeeper. Um, but you've got to look at the context that United have spent a lot of money in that summer of 89. You know, they'd, they'd bought Neil Webb, Gary Pallister, Danny Wallace, Mike Phelan and Paul Ince. And they spent a lot of money and there was a lot, I think riding on this season, and I know they finished. I think they finished eleventh this year, but win the FA Cup, then win the Cup Winners' Cup, and then everything falls into place, and it's it's history, isn't it? But I always think Mark Robbins is a really, really good player, and is a really underrated player. Um, and I know he went to Norwich and he did well for Norwich, um, and I, I never really understand why United got rid of him. I think more more, more because of Mark Hughes and Brian McClare were there. He just could, couldn't get ahead of them, which was. Bottom line, and you know, squads then was it had three subs or was it two subs? Back then? I can't remember. It was more difficult for him, but he was he, he was a super sub. He used to come on, score a lot of important goals. But you know, when you got two seasoned internationals ahead of you, it's always going to be difficult for him. You've yeah, just said the word super sub. Um, you've just said the word superstar, and we're talking about Man United. Um, so the magic that is the four of us this evening coming together, um, uh, teeing each other up beautifully. <laughs> um, uh, Mike, please take us away then with I think your final goal, um, but a very special one. 
Absolutely. It sort of bookends, um, you know, the Mark Robbins goal. If that's a start, this is um, almost a culmination of, of, of all those years. In 1999, uh, Champions League final, uh, deep into injury time, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer versus Bayern Munich. Um, what else could be said? As I said, the culmination of what probably should be considered one of the greatest seasons from, from an English club. But how it was scored as well sort of epitomised the season as a whole. Sort of a never-say-die attitude from a team that came behind on so many occasions, scored in the, you know, Solskjaer scoring in the dying seconds to, to win what is hitherto um, a, a unique treble for English teams. But, some, you know, lots will say there's a lot of fortune in, in the goal. You know, lucky United, you know, to be honest, you know, Bayern Munich battered United. But, I mean, I was listening to um, uh, an interview recently from Clive Tilsley, who obviously you know, made the famous um, commentary on it. And he said, why is it lucky when you've got the best crosser of a ball taking the corner and he crosses it to probably the best player at that time, uh, near post header of a ball, Sheringham, to probably the best sub at the time to put it in the back yeah. of the net at that moment in time. So there's no luck about that. There is sort of a, a coming together of um, parts which put together um, led to the that. Stars aligned that night, didn't they? Yeah, stars mm-hmm. aligning rather than luck. And I think, you, you know, yes, Bayern Munich battered you, but they didn't because they'd be three, four and up if they did. Yeah. They missed those chances. And yes, sometimes I think twice by the width of a post or coming off the post you know, or the crossbar. But nonetheless, that's they should finish those chances. And if they do, United don't go and win that. But they did. And these moments happen. Now, Andrew knows I'm a big I'm a Arsenal were ridiculously close to winning the double that year. People don't realize we only conceded, I think, I think it's 19 league goals the whole Premier League campaign. We were right there winning the league for a long time until a couple of errors towards the end of the season are notably away to Leeds. And then we also played United in the semi-final champion or oh, the FA Cup with the with the Ryan Giggs goal. You know, Dennis Burkamp missing a penalty in the last moments, and then Giggs scores that goal. Now, again, if stars align at just tiny moments, Arsenal win the double that year. And don't get me wrong, United still going one Champions League. But you're you're then you're winning two doubles back to back as Arsenal because we won it in '98. We nearly won the double in '99 again, but we didn't. And what and frankly, we didn't. And you can't you can't. You know, it is what it is. United went and won the treble, and like you said, it's a unique feat. It's a unique feat in English football that I'm not sure will ever be repeated. And that is the goal that capped it all and Solskjaer has won it. So again, as iconic goals go, it, it's very much on our suspension. It didn't make our 10, but I, it well, was incredibly iconic. I mean, goal. just before we before we do wrap up with our final choice, I mean, you mentioned a minute ago, Mike, dying seconds. And I think Tom and I, we, we, we should be applauded this evening for somehow not managing to include Mickey Thomas's goal in 89. I mean, <laughs> so I, don't, I really don't know. Well, as, I've, as we've wrapped this pod up, I'm, I'm a bit... I'm a bit amused, really. How we've, I think we, I think we know we, we are. We have a tendency on this pod sometimes to sort of sort of sleepwalk into Arsenal yeah. chats, but um, yeah, I think that that's an iconic uh, goal for another it, day. It's another maybe... factor, though, isn't it? For iconicness, is is, is yeah. the last last missed yeah. goal. Oh, it was. We, I mean, Sergio Aguero. I mean, Aguero doesn't make either of our lists as well, and you could look at mm. the Aguero and Thomas goal. Um, as as well as, as special moments in the last nine seconds. But just quickly before I throw it to Andrew to pitch his side of our final goal, um, Michael Hamlin, your your memories of that 99 uh, treble for United, um, clearly not a United fan yourself, but nonetheless, it was a moment I think all British and, and English fans remember quite well. well I, know, I know exactly where I was um, when that, that goal went in. I was standing at the bar getting a drink ready for the extra time. 
and, I'm, and I know I'm not the only person who was doing that across the country. Um, but no, I, I remember that. And I remember the famous commentary saying, you know, United always always score. They always do it. And if you look at that, it was almost like Clive Tilsey knew what was coming because all the lines he was saying come true. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was a brilliant turnaround. And I think Bayern Munich were just, just didn't know what the hell had hit them. Um, I think after they, you know, showing against the equaliser, they were almost dead on their feet. United had the extra impetus, didn't they? They got the extra, you know, we can do this. And and they did. And I think what you've said there about best crosser, best near post header and then best sub is actually spot on. I've never dissected like that. And it's absolutely spot on. Um, they always but, score. But yeah, they always I was score. The I was at the bar. That's where I was. <laughs> Fair enough. So our last choice... Andrew, we've included a goal each. So this is our site. It's like bending of the rules. So my period at a late substitution, we've each got a goal from the same man. They're different goals, um, Andrew and I, but they are in our minds the greatest footballer that's ever lived. But certainly, um, you're talking about Mr. Lionel Messi. Which is your one that you're going for, Andrew? You can put your pitch forward and we can see what the gents are. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that we might have to just, we might have to pass this on to Twitter and see what the outcome is for this one. But um, my choice... <laughs> Out of the two, I mean, to be honest, it's it's there's a you know nothing in it really. There's no, no, absolutely nothing in it. Um, I just think it's more iconic the goal at the Bernabeu uh, in the semi final of the Champions League, the opponent, uh, the quality of opposition under the lights um, on the biggest biggest stage, um, and just leaves leaves top quality players in his wake, similar to the Omri goal actually for Arsenal um, back in two thousand six. Um, and yeah, and and the, the celebration as well. But I'm not. I'm I'm definitely not going against the Getafe. I, I one do hear what you either. think about the the caliber of players though. Because that for me, a bit like the World Cup final thing, it, it's special when your biggest rivals you can do it against them on essentially the biggest stage. I know it's a semi final rather than the final, but essentially the biggest stage and platform in in club football, the Champions League, um, to essentially be the difference between yourself and Real Madrid. But such a clear difference as well. You know, at that moment, yeah. he was so and much better than um, anyone else on that it's, football pitch. It, the, one of my favourite bits is Busquets' his little delicate touch um, just in the centre circle, just to set Messi off. And then it's yeah. just... That's a great assist. It, you know, sometimes people who assists and that you get assists <laughs> on fantasy football for that, just a little yeah. two-yard layoff. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a special iconic goal. The reason I'm just plumping for the Getafe one is more a bit like Robin's goal or a bit like what was to come. This was the birth of, and I think Barcelona knew already, where there were whispers already about how good this guy was. But Messi's slalom run, you know, he was 20 years old at the time, and it was just a welcome to the world of a player. Who else could do that at that time? I don't think anyone else on the planet could have scored that goal when he was 20 years old. And I think for me, again, it drew comparisons with the Maradona second goal. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. That, 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 how the slalom run of the genius, where you stand back and you say, well, I'm not sure I've done that. That's that's playground stuff. You know where it's just... And when I look at compilations now of Messi's greatest goal, and clearly there's been a, a lot of goals since then, the four, 500, however many scored. For me, that one still stands out as a 20-year-old essentially playing sort of PlayStation playground football way, just dribbling around the whole team and yeah. scoring. Uh, and for me, it stands out as, as just as a more iconic. But we're only picking... We, we, we wanted to pick a Messi goal because... Yeah, exactly, is, yeah. There is actually... There is a there is a messy goal that gets overlooked slightly, which is similar to the Getafe one, the Bilbao one in the cup. Yeah, at the, at the new camp that that 
that goal gets overlooked slightly and it's, it's, it's very similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's throw it to our two guests to round off that chat around those, um, not those just those two goals, but if you're grabbing a messy goal, um, where is it going to sit? We'll go with yourself, um, Mike, Mike P first, and then we'll... Um, well, I, I, th- I think one of the main things about the two goals you've, um, you've, you've, um, you've picked there, gents, is that he was really young. Uh, Tom, your one, he was 20, and Andrew, was 2011, wasn't it? So he was about 23 then, wasn't he? I mean, he's a baby in football terms. Mm. And to, 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 to score those goals, I would probably favour the 2011 one purely because of the occasion. And to do it against Real Madrid, um, you know, that's, wow. I mean, that's, that, that, is, that is an iconic moment, an iconic goal in an iconic setting. So I'd probably go with that. But I mean, we've got hundreds of goals to choose from for Messi. I mean, we could be, we could be all night. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Michael Hamlin, what's your thoughts? Um, I'm going for the Getafe one. Um, solely you, because, like, <laughs> uh, solely because I think it announces him to the world. And it's a bit like Beckham's goal against Wimbledon, or it's a bit like Baggio's goal against Czechoslovakia. He, you, you're announcing yourself to the world. Uh, I, I remember I had a, copy of 442 around this time and Ronaldinho was on the front page and he was the best player in the world at the time and he basically says I'm not the best player in the world I'm not even the best player at the club it's messy and this goal literally underlines what Ronaldinho was saying yeah no it's very special very special goals right we're just going to quickly rip through the 10 to close out so the 10 that Andrew and I put forward although there's been so many fantastic goals discussed tonight all of them deserve their place. But we had the two Maradona goals against England in 1986. We had Jeff Hurst's World Cup final goal. We had Pele's goal as a 17-year-old in the World Cup final. The Carlos Alberto Brazil team goal. The Roberto Carlos free kick special against France. The Van Basten goal in the European Championships final. Zidane's brilliant volley against Leverkusen in the Champions League final. We had George Best against Benfica, you know, in 68. And um, we had Messi's two. Or, or one and a half goals, which we can scream to our, our top 10. Um, and, and Mike Pieri, you had? I had um, Socrates in 1982 against Italy. I had Pushkas' Pushkas drag back goal um, versus England in 1953. Uh, Mark Robbins, 1990, the Forest. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's um, last, last winner, the Bayern Munich in 1999. George Best, 1968, Benfica. Um, Angelos Haristeas um, winning gold um, in the Euro 2004 v Portugal. Corporal Luis Fernandez, um, aka Pele, um, also had the Maradona goal, the second goal. My late substitution was Ricky Villa's um, FA Cup final goal in 1981, and I also had Van Basten in 1988. Amazing goals, amazing chat. Uh, We've already taken uh, over an hour of our evening, gentlemen, so we will draw it there because. Otherwise, we could discuss all night. But I wanted to wish you both um, a fantastic start to the new year. Um, I hope it all goes fantastically. Thank you very much for joining us. If you don't follow the gentleman, uh, ladies and gents, please do. Uh, Michael Pieri, go and follow him. Go and follow Ammonia Youth Football, who are fantastic. Um, read all about them. Um, please go and follow 80s, 90s football. You're going to get loads of these goals from under Michael Hamlin as well. Give them a watch. Obviously, keep listening to us as well um, at HGO Football and all your platforms will get it in your ears wherever you like to listen to podcasts um, hope you've enjoyed that chat gentlemen brilliant fantastic yeah, yeah. thank you very much really looking forward to seeing people's replies online as well getting their top 10s on Twitter that'd be great at HGO Football we'd love to hear any goals that we've missed this evening as well absolutely